Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. It is Friday. It's a little gloomy here in New York City and much of the East Coast. But the good news is this whole election thing is going to be over soon. So at least we've got that going for us, which is nice. uh, Candidate town halls last night. We were able to watch them. I, I saw them both. I waited until this morning. I just couldn't take it in real time. So I got up and I saw both of these town halls. And I got to tell you, there was nothing surprising or really worthwhile in any of it because it happened exactly as I knew it would. My, my impression of what these town halls would be like was exactly what ended up happening. You had at the same on the same uh, time slot, but different channels, NBC and ABC, you had, let's start with Biden. I actually watched the Trump one first, which was far more interesting, although it was also aggravating. But we'll start with Biden. Uh, Biden was allowed to give a statesmanlike fireside chat with voters who were overwhelmingly asking him uh, very gentle questions, mostly Democrats asking him questions. No surprise there. And Stephanopoulos really acting to make sure that, you know, that Biden covered all of his bases, you know, that that he gave the full answers that he was hoping, hoping for. And five minutes for an answer. Totally fine. Very few interruptions. It was clear that Stephanopoulos has a tremendous amount of respect for Biden and wanted to draw out the best answers from him that he could. And Biden was a lot of, you know, I've got a plan, Uh, you know. I mean, 40. There's a study that says I'm going to make 40 million jobs, you know, 10 billion dollars coming from the rich, plus the 70 million jobs I'm going to create, plus, you know, free stuff for everybody. But no one's going to pay more. And, you know, another study said that 80 million jobs, it's just all what? What is this guy even talking about? He was vice president of the Obama administration, which was economically a disaster. They didn't know what they were doing. They don't understand growth. They don't understand commerce. What they know how to do is use government power to take from some people and give it to others and to make special interests in the left very happy. That's it. They were not good for the middle class. They were not good for working people. We, we ran the experiment already of Joe Biden and the senior reaches of the federal government, which, let me remind everybody, was a shock the first time around. The fact that Biden got to be VP, I mean, it's a little bit like Kamala Harris, somebody who, when he was running for president, was largely rejected by the voters of his own party, And then beyond that was in a position where he all of a sudden is uh, is, you know, on a ticket and everyone's supposed to think that he's some great guy doing a fantastic job. Right. So ridiculous. Uh, Kamala Harris, same thing. Couldn't get very many votes at all. But sure enough, she is now the vice presidential candidate. So Biden is uh, was able to just do exactly what we thought he would do, which is say things that he felt like saying, do things that he felt like doing. And no pushback, really, nothing else. Okay, I know that's it's almost it's almost too boring. The only thing that's worth it is some of the answers he gave, which I'll dissect in a moment. But the format of it was it was a cordial conversation with Stephanopoulos there, you know, there to, you know, you know, give him a little back rub. You know, when the uh, the boxer has to go to his corner and the and the boxing trainer will sometimes give him a rub on the shoulders, you know, go get him. You're go get go get him. Rock, get in there. You know, that was kind of Stephanopoulos for Biden. That was really what he was doing. So then you get to uh, then you get to what happened with Trump. 
And this should not be. It's not a surprise, I think, to anybody. But it wasn't actually a town hall, really. It was a debate between Savannah Guthrie, who's taking a break from telling us about the best summer salad recipes on the Today Show, uh, to now be a a voice engaging with the president of the United States on politics and, and clearly from a partisan angle. Uh, that's something that we all expected. It's not surprising, but it is, in fact, what happened. It is, in fact, the reality of this exchange from last night. And uh, there was there are so many moments we could point to where, you know, she's just getting snippy with the president. I mean, she was horrible. It was awful. The whole thing. Just watching it was a little bit on the painful side. But here's, for example, this is an exchange now, she's supposed to be a moderator. I don't know. She the first it felt like the first half of this town hall was just her and asking the president all the usual left wing stuff, all the usual questions about, you know, you can't. Uh, uh, why, why won't you denounce white supremacy? Why won't you wear masks? Uh, you know, just the attack questions all the time. They're doing the oppo dirty work of the DNC for them. And. Uh, on masks, for example, she she went after Trump on this place seven. Look, look, you have on the masks, you know, you have two stories. You have a story where they want a story where they don't want. I am all well, for I it. I don't get that because it's just all of your public health officials, your administration. They're in unison Trump. about this. No. They're all in unison no. about it. The you. University of Washington, which is a, a stat, is a, a they have a model that your coronavirus task force relies on, says that if everyone wore a mask, you could cut expected deaths in half. Yeah. And then 60,000 lives. Well, what is that? Scott Atkins, if you look at Scott, Dr. Scott, he's from great guys, Stanford. He will tell you he's that not he an infectious disease you. expert. Oh, no, I don't know. Look, he's an expert. He's one of the great experts of the world. But I don't get it because you have so much power and influence as president. You could go it. to your you could require way, it at your rallies I and you could say everyone put on a mask right now. And the University of Washington says you Savannah, would save University lives. of Washington, then you have other places say different things. You have a lot of hey, Dr. Fauci said don't wear a mask, right? At first, but then everybody agreed. Well, So notice that she says something that's not true, and uh, he then corrects her, right? She says, everyone says, and he's like, well, no, I have an MD who is one of my advisors now who does not agree with this. They also just dismiss out of hand the Great Barrington Declaration, which has people who look quite honestly just have more impressive credentials than Dr. Fauci. Went to better medical schools, have more training in epidemiology, have longer Uh, I've spent longer periods of time doing research specifically on how viruses transmit. Now, I know you'd say Fauci was at the CDC. He's a bureaucrat, folks. He's a bureaucrat. It's like somebody who's at the CIA as director, something that I understand very well. The CIA director is not the smartest CIA man in the building at all. That's not how it works. He's just the guy that gets put in the position to watch everybody else and, you know, give speeches and be a manager. He's a bureaucrat. Nonetheless, uh, you know, Fauci here is a guy that we all have to listen to, even though he's clearly a Democrat. He's clearly a Democrat. And she says something that's not true. And then she gets in this mass debate with the president. I thought I thought this was supposed to be a town hall. I thought everybody was going to uh, be able to approach the president, you know, just the average folks be able to approach the president and ask their questions. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not what happened. And it's strange to me i don't know why i will say this trump did a very good job 
he was very lucid. He was good. I mean, he kicked her butt. It was a debate. And that was what the Trump campaign said afterwards. She kept she kept coming at Trump on all these different issues. And he shot it down. And he made, honestly, a much, I think, much more compelling case for himself on a whole range of issues than he was even able in the first debate. When, as we know now, I mean, the, the president's uh, the president's health, the president's you know, state of mind may have been somewhat affected. So now we have uh, this obvious playing out of NBC, ABC. They're attacking Trump. Why not? A, why not a Fox town hall? Why not the Joe Rogan town hall or, or Joe Rogan interview? Why not go on a platform where I know they'd say NBC reaches so many people and all this stuff. It's the we're in the Internet age now. And unless the ma- major Internet companies shut something down, it can pretty much get wherever it has to get. So I've got, just got to tell you, I thought last night was unsurprising. But now now let me dig into the specifics. Right. Trump did a good job. Guthrie was horrible. Stephanopoulos gave Biden a back rub. Uh, that was all expected. That is what happened. Let's look at the specific issues. We're a couple of weeks out from a presidential election. We should know what these two men actually believe, Biden and Trump. So let's let's dig into that a bit because there is much more there. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com. You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? A couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white supremacy. No, My question do. to you is, You've done this to why me does and everybody. it seem like... I denounced white supremacy, okay? You did I've two denounced days later. white supremacy for years, but you always do it. You always start off with a well, question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt, and he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Do you feel, it, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so, like you hesitant. wait a bit. Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came, I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. I denounce white supremacy. Okay. And frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa, and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down in our cities that are run by Democrats. And notice the president, when he's able to actually get out what he's trying to say, because at least it wasn't a two on one as the Biden Chris Wallace debate was, he makes very clear the following. He has denounced white supremacy in the past. He's denouncing white supremacy now. It's offensive that they keep asking him this question, and it's clear they're doing so for partisan reasons. Oh, and they won't even accept what he says when he says it. So what's really the point of asking him? Why are they doing this? They don't care what the answer is. They do not care that he says, I denounce white supremacy. They just want to keep asking. This is the classic. When did you stop beating your wife question? And she even lets it slip a little bit here by saying, you seem a little hesitant sometimes. Oh, so he doesn't he doesn't denounce it fast enough now. This is the standard. I I just want to know, does he have to denounce it even more loudly? Is this like that scene in the very entertaining 90s movie, Jerry Maguire, where Tom Cruise has to say, show me the money, screaming, you know, screaming into the phone. Does Trump have to say, I denounce white supremacy as loud as possible. And if he doesn't, he's not denouncing it enough. Oh, I didn't. I didn't, you know, didn't hear it. 
It's a little bit like when you go to a, a live event and they say, you know, this side, are you happy to be here in New York? And it's like, ah, I, I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, what does he have to do? What does he have to do to get them to finally stop asking this dumbass question? This is a question that stupid people who think they're smart ask the president of the United States. There's no reason to believe it. It's all based in a lie. This whole continuing, oh, white supremacy thing. We know the game that they play. Every four years, they go, well, David Duke, the KKK guy, endorses this or that candidate. Yeah, and the Communist Party of America endorses the Democrat every year. No one cares. These people are losers. Although, actually, maybe the Democrats do care about the Communist Party because increasingly there are a bunch of commies, too. But no one cares what the KKK says about a presidential election, as in they have no support. They are completely reviled throughout society. They are condemned. They are not welcome in the Republican Party in any way, shape or form. And how many times do we have to say this? How many times do we have to do this? But see, they they win merely with the accusation. It's just fighting dirty. Here I am having to cite this from last night. But this really, for me, was the breaking point also with Chris Wallace. This was the breaking point where Chris Wallace all of a sudden uh, was asking this question. And, you know, in the first debate. And I just realized, oh, my gosh, here we go. It's a litmus test. If you think that President Trump, this guy who grew up in Queens in New York City, has a lifelong history of being a businessman with no there's no bigotry. They have they haven't found some tape where he's making horrible statements about some race or anything else or some ethnicity, whatever. And they keep asking about being a white supremacist. Uh, This is unbelievable, friends. But that's what they do. And that was what they did last night but it was worthwhile for us to see this because while savannah guthrie is effectively calling the president of the united states a racist to his face and doing so in this like really like uh, like i'm just like i'm a really serious nbc news journalist and i'm like so like i'm sorry sir i'm asking you the real tough question and uh, and everyone yeah go get him all the democrats all the libs no no deference or respect and the president clearly found her annoying and overly aggressive and he was right Do you think she's at find me a tape where she's ever, ever approached any Democrat in any office like that? That's what I want to know. Find me one. And I'll say, oh, I guess I was wrong. Maybe she's a real journo. The whole thing is such a fraud, isn't it? Asking the president if he's a white supremacist. What you really have to remember about this is their their only evidence for this is a lie. So they make an allegation based on a lie and they just continue to pretend that we don't know that he did not say that there were good sides, uh, good people on both sides in Charlottesville. He didn't say that. It's a lie to say that, but they keep they keep going with this. There's a transcript. It's not even just like, oh, he said something and they could interpret it one way or the other. He said something and then clarified because it was, you know, it was open ended in a sense what he said. If you just take the sentence out of context, but then he clarified just to be very clear, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis who should be totally condemned. I'm just talking about people that are debating both sides of whether statues should just be torn down or how that process should go, which is still true to this day. Otherwise, you know, th- th- I guess we have to you know, decapitate the Columbus statue that's not far from where I'm doing this uh, show in Columbus Circle in New York City. So Guthrie was, was terrible on, uh, on that issue. She was terrible on asking about white supremacy, asking him uh, or really just debating him and, and hectoring him on masks. And I'm just going to say this now. There are a couple of people in the Kamala campaign who have gotten COVID. Um, they're going to do everything they can to make sure 
that this does not right before the election, this does not turn into and it doesn't even have to be Kamala or Joe Biden. But if a bunch of Democrats around them all get this when they're walking around with with very showy masks on. Right. It's, it's not just a mask. Sometimes it's they they're masked up all the time, social distancing all the time for the cameras, at least. We all know, right, that people I mean, I've seen this. People even in my building in New York who are all about wearing masks all the time. You know what the first thing they do when they get in the elevator, they think they're alone is they rip that mask off. Now they're just, you know, spreading virus freely in the air in the elevator. Oh, and then when the elevator's done, you know what they do? They put the mask back on. Oh, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. See, look at me. I'm voting for Biden. Right. But they understand that they've now infected that elevator bank. And for anyone else who goes in there, they'll be exposed to the virus. And that's even if you believe that the mask does anything to prevent this. And I just is it this week? Is it my mask protects me? Your mask protects you? Or is it my mask protects you? Your mask protects me? Which one is it this week? Because it'll probably change next week. I made a joke last week on Twitter about how, you know, not six, seven, you know, seven. I, I made a joke about masks, you know, not one, two. Why not three? You know, Joe Biden last night at the town hall made a point of saying that he wears now an N95 and a surgical mask. Now, now he's got to up the ante a little bit. Now he's got to show how serious he is about this. What a good person he is. He does both. To this, I just want to say, oh, yeah, Joe Biden. What about three masks, my man? That's what I rock these days. I don't really, but maybe I will just so I can w- walk around telling everybody some when I'm really trying to show how much I take the virus seriously. I go three. I triple mask and wear goggles. Why not a, uh, a PR a PAPR hood? You know, those ventilator actual respirator rather hoods. Why not one of those? Go all in. Got to take it seriously. Biden's already wearing two masks masks. How long before the spread of this virus goes up again in this country before they're telling us you really need to wear two masks? I'm just remember, I've told you this. There will be a push for double masking, a double mask mandate. That's going to come up, too. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. Is Joe Biden a moderate? Let's address that question now, because this goes to the heart of what the appeal of him as a president is supposed to be. He often talks about being a uniter. He talks about how he wants to unite the country, bring the country back together again. Okay, What evidence do we have of that other than the fact that he says it, which, of course, benefits him politically? So that doesn't make it clear at all that that's really his ultimate goal here. Is Joe Biden a uniter? Well, I think we should certainly look at this a little bit. Is he a moderate? Is he someone that will be able to tell the left, which has completely lost its mind? um, Hey, guys, let's not push so far. Let's not be so crazy on this issue. Let's find a middle pathway. Bill Clinton gets a lot of a lot of credit historically from the media that slobbers all over him and loves him, despite the fact that he's a serial sexual assaulting, you know, skirt chasing maniac. But Bill Clinton uh, was always talked about as the guy who was triangulating. Well, the Republicans and Newt Gingrich took control of the House. And so to get things done, there was going to be some compromise. But I think also there was less of a polarization that had occurred at that period of time, or at least for the left, they were left less crazy. They were a little bit closer to normal, still crazy, but a little bit. You go back and watch even early episodes of The West Wing, as I've been doing recently. You see this, you know, the, the libs, there was a kind of 
almost a quaint sanctimony with their, oh, we just need campaign finance reform and banning guns and everything will be better. Right. Because those are those are critical issues of national importance. Ban assault rifles and do some nibbling around the edges of campaign finance reform and America will be a much better place. These people are out of their minds. But Joe Biden was asked a question last night that I think uh, illustrates where the Democrat Party really is now, just just in terms of its ethos on the on the political scale on the political spectrum. Left, right, where does it fall? Here he is asked about trans children. Play one. The idea that an eight year old child or a 10 year old child decides, you know, I decided I want to be transgender. That's what I think I'd like to be. It may make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. What does that mean? Zero discrimination. First of all, does Joe Biden think that there are eight year old trans trans kids out there? Really? That's what he thinks. And that we should uh, we should follow through on that. What does that mean exactly? When an eight-year-old says, I, you know, if an eight-year-old boy says, I feel like I'm a, I'm a girl, are we then supposed to change the, change the eight-year-old's name? And, you know, you've noticed this. As this plays out, there are some big warning signs that this is not what we're led to believe it is or what the media wants us to believe it is. For one, and I will not drop this, I'll never forget this, there was a, a well-researched, peer-reviewed, published study in uh, at Brown University, I think it was Brown University Journal of Medicine or Psychiatry or something like that. But it was out of Brown University, which is a very left wing place. I mean, a, a stunningly left wing monoculture over there. They have no no balance whatsoever. I mean, the, the, a lot of the most smug, self-righteous and haughty people you'll ever meet on the left went to Brown. It's the Ivy League school for straight up communism and uh, big with celebrities, too. They love their kids to go there. So a lot of people buy their way into that school. Very, They don't get grades. It's a very unimpressive place. But the, the Brown University published this study that showed that there was what uh, effectively a trans, for children now we're talking about, tr- psychological trans contagion, um, meaning that when one kid in a class or in a friend group who is at a very young age, formative age, decides that he, let's say he could be a she, he is a transgender individual, all of a sudden there's a huge spike in likelihood that somebody else in the class is going to decide that he or she is a trans individual. And then somebody else will decide. Now, if you look at this, I mean, just from a statistical standpoint, it's very unlikely that all of a sudden there's just a a pocket of individuals who are found together at that age who are far more, you know, who are far more densely trans than you would have in the broader population. That doesn't make any sense, right? Oh, no, we just happened to discover there are clusters of trans children. Which is this is what the study this study, when it came out, as soon as it started to get some attention, because it proved that there one is a just a an emotional psychological component of this and two that among at least very young children this is something that is almost like a fad it catches on right this become people get a lot of attention all of a sudden it's oh you know how how can we accommodate you when you're eight years old you know you're still your brain is still forming you're still figuring out who you are as a human being very much so you're a little kid you're practically just a few years above being a baby But that study, you know what happened? They retracted it 
They buried it and they pretended like it doesn't exist. Just like Twitter and Facebook do with the Hunter Biden story now. Uh, but they they did everything they could to make sure that that information was was suppressed. Uh, you know, these are policies that Democrats take where they think they're being really, uh, really open minded. And they think this is the uh, supportive and kind thing to do to, to make eight, nine, ten year olds uh, completely comfortable with this with this new trans identity that they're establishing. Uh, and, and it's becoming much more common now. There would they would say, well, it's because there's greater acceptance of it. And so people who are trans at a very young age now. Fe- oh, OK, well, then let's have that debate and let's look at the data and let's really see, uh, because the other stuff that they don't want to talk about is how old should you be when you start getting hormone therapy, which is going to be do irreversible damage to the body. There are left wing activists who will say it should start. You should effectively block puberty. It should start right away. This is really serious stuff. And the chief of transgender uh, surgery at Johns Hopkins University Medical Center for decades. I can't remember the guy's name now off the top of my head, but he came out initially during this whole trans movement's uh, early days saying people who have transgender surgery have very poor outcomes when it comes to happiness, long term implications and effects. This is not something that the medical community should be embracing and doing, you know, taking healthy organs, removing them, trying to replace them. It's a very this guy said is very bad. I mean, he basically had just the entirety of the institutional left try to make him a monster for that. And now he's just been silenced. You never hear. I mean, she's probably even apologize. I should never have said that. This is what ends up happening. Uh, because the left is a totalitarian mindset. The left doesn't believe in open debate and discussion, as we see from Facebook and Twitter again. They want to control what you can see, what you can think, what you're allowed to say. I was pleased that there had to be a bit of a walk back on sexual preference because they they thought they had something. Oh, my gosh. Did you see ACB referred to sexual preference? That's terrible. Terrible. So bigoted. So anti-LGBTQ. That's what they were saying. That's what the left was claiming on this. And the issue they have then is all the clips that started circulating of Joe Biden, of other top Democrats. I'm sure we could find one of Barack Obama saying sexual preference. But there were Democrat senators who, when they saw the conversation on Twitter the day of uh, with these ACB hearings a couple of days ago, all of a sudden were telling ACB this was that sexual preference is a term I believe Maisie, Crazy Maisie Hirono said that anti-LGBTQ activists use. So the far-right anti-gay fringe, essentially, is the only, they're the only people who use a sexual preference. The media tried to back that up for a while, and then they realized, uh-oh, yeah, pretty much everybody in America has referred to sexual preference on tape or on video. So this might be a tough one. So they're going to back away from this for right now. Doesn't mean they won't come back to it later. But they'll back away from it a little bit because it's too much, too much of a stretch. They thought they had a useful weapon, but then they realized it was a double edged sword. So not not quite the coup they were hoping for. Joe Biden as a as a moderate. What evidence is there for this? Do you know who else said that they weren't going to raise taxes on people over uh, who make less than four hundred thousand dollars? Barack Obama. And then they passed Obamacare, which meant that people who were paying for their own health care, had their own individual plans were brought into a system where they overwhelmingly were forced to subsidize 
other people's plans who are getting Obamacare subsidies and get crappier coverage and pay more money for it. So that's just another version of a tax. Right? And then, of course, there was the individual mandate, which was a tax, was a penalty. I don't know. Ask John Roberts. Notice that there's never some left wing justice who is in the John Roberts role of dramatically disappointing those who believe in, in his or her uh, judicial philosophy. You know, there, there was never some time when all of a sudden, you know, Sotomayor or Kagan are going with the conservative majority on an issue where everybody expected, you know, that, that the left would stay together, wouldn't break ranks. But let's talk more about the judge stuff uh, in a little bit. Oh, but I do want to get to uh, Biden and court packing because that did come up last night. Let's jump to that one. Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily podcast. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast. What's the one thing you know, whether you watch that town hall last night or not? What's the one thing that you know Joe Biden was not asked about? I want you to I want you to think about it. For Some of you already have the answer. What's the one thing, you know? Oh, that's right. Hunter Biden, you know, the guy that there's now even more information was selling access straight up, selling access to his dad, trying to steer U.S. foreign policy to line his own pockets. The guy's a total ne'er do well, a screw up. And now we all see it. And the media has been covering for him all along, as we also know, including now big tech with Twitter and Facebook in what was nothing other than a suppression campaign that's still going on to try to protect Biden the final weeks. Look, the Democrats aren't used to an October surprise. They're expecting to be able to just cruise on into Election Day without any without any last minute bumps. Well, they have one now. But that's right. He wasn't asked about this at all. The president has already pointed out how frustrating this is for him. And it's an outrage. We're going to talk more about the Hunter Biden thing in a little bit. There's even more information out there about this one. But let's discuss what Biden was asked about and and what he did say. And remember, he had plenty of time. I mean, Stephanopoulos, I'm so glad he was there to make sure that that Biden had some nice tea with lemon in it if he needed it. You know, maybe a a warm washcloth, uh, some fuzzy slippers. You know, George Stephanopoulos really holding Biden's feet to the fire to keep them warm and so that he could find pressure points and make sure that Biden was really relaxed, you know, give him a little foot rub. That's what he got, which is great. I mean, being a Democrat, huge advantage. We know that being a Republican, Trump had Savannah Guthrie, like all in his face, like asking, like, why don't you wear masks? And like, I don't care. There are other people here asking questions. Like, I'm really upset. Right. Good stuff. That was great. Really, really exceptional from NBC. But NBC is a joke. It's a joke of a place. Remember, NBC is the same place that has MSNBC, which gave Joy Reid a promotion after lying about hacking and an FBI investigation of the hacking, all based upon her writing homophobic stuff on her blog 10 years ago. All she had to do was say, wow, I was really wrong. I apologize. I'm moving. And they would have forgiven her. would have been fine. But nope. Don't even want to do that. Don't want to take responsibility. Get away with it. Get promoted. Not even just get away with it. That's NBC. That's the NBC News Division. I always remember MSNBC, NBC, tons of crossover, working together all the time, hand in gloves. The same thing, effectively. Same thing. You know, 
Uh, so, you know, Fox News, Fox Business, a lot of people back and forth. Yeah, different shows, different hosts, but same parent company, a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, good things at Fox and Fox Business, but not good things at NBC. So we have so many fun areas of discussion here with Joe Biden from last night. So we should all make sure we understand exactly who the American people will be getting if this guy becomes president, who's a, a, a remarkable case study in the the rise of mediocrity that can occur as long as you are shameless. If you are shameless and have endurance, you can rise in American politics. It's true. Biden's been around for a long time, and nobody thought this guy was even a little bit impressive until five minutes ago when all of a sudden he was their best chance, they thought, to actually win a national election. But let's get into his his answers to these things. Um, Let's get into this. We have the dumbest thing that Joe Biden said in the in the entire in the entire debate last night. What was the single um, the single most outrageous, idiotic? Now, now, I'm I'm not saying that I have the answer necessarily. I, I think you could make a case that there are a few different contenders, any one of which could be the answer. Um, but. This is very high on the list for me. This one, I feel like this outranks all the others. Here's here's what he said. We're talking about police reform and defunding cops. Remember when the Democrats were all chanting about defunding cops a few months ago? And some of us, like me, were running around saying that's so stupid that it could not be taken seriously by a serious person. It's it's a moronic talking point. It's not possible that somebody who says this and believes it is intelligent on issues of law enforcement. Notice how they've abandoned that. Right. In the moment, in the frenzy for the purposes of mobilizing the base and getting clicks and attention on TV, left wing activists and Democrats were all of a sudden saying, no, we believe in this. We believe in this. Right. Think there's any accountability for that. You think the people of Minneapolis who actually had a police station burned down in their city? You think anyone's apologized to them? Or feels badly about what's happened to their neighborhoods with the rise in crime, but also just the rise in a sense of hopelessness and helplessness because of the defund the police mantra. No, of course not. They don't they don't care. They just move right past it after after they've just left destruction and mayhem in their wake. Democrats, the left, national news media, they find some other target. They move on to something else. Here is. Uh, Joe Biden explaining his police policy going forward. Play clip two. We can do this. You can ban chokeholds. You can. But, you, but beyond that, you have to teach people how to de-escalate circumstances, de-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you, the first thing you do is shoot to kill. You shoot them in the leg. There's ways you have to do more background checks in terms of whether or not the person coming in passes certain psychological tests. And the last thing I'll say, and I'm sorry, because it was really, I think, really, really important, is you have to be in a position where you are able to adapt identify identify the things that have to change and one of the things that has to change is so many cops get called into circumstances where somebody is mentally off like what happened not long ago that guy with the knife that's why we have to provide within, within police departments psychologists and social workers to go out with the cops on those calls those some of those 911 calls to de-escalate the circumstance to deal with talking them down but we can't cops are kind of like school teachers 
No, cops are not like school teachers, actually. It's not true. It's not their job. It's not their training. They're not school teachers. And we ask a lot just based on circumstance, unfortunately, of our cops far beyond their job description. They are family counselor. They are peacemaker. They are, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of things intervening for a lot of people. Police become just involved in pretty mundane family disputes because there's no good dispute resolution mechanism inside that family unit. This just happens in places. It's not really what cops are supposed to do, but they step in, they do the job. I just think this is so there's so much dumb there. Don't worry, I'm going to get to the shoot them in the leg thing in a second, because he said that, you know, cops and don't shoot to kill, shoot them in the leg. He doesn't know anything. He knows absolutely nothing. This is so dumb that a national politician saying this out loud. I mean, this is as dumb as anything they accuse Trump of having said. But this is actually not a joke. Right. They'll pretend that when Trump says something and he's kidding, it's real. Right. And now they're now they're saying uh, then they've got Joe Biden coming forward. And here we are with him saying, shoot someone in the leg. They don't shoot to kill. Police shoot to stop the threat. And they will shoot for center mass if they have to use lethal force. And that's the way it's going to be, because they have made a decision to stop the threat. That is how they are trained shoot in the leg has he ever seen a video of when cops have to shoot shoot in the leg really easy to say things like that first of all you could get hit in your femoral artery uh femoral rather and die uh and that can happen too so it's not like shoot in the leg is and what is he shoot somebody in the shin is that is that the plan because people can keep coming at you and there's video now that's circulating i'm sure many of you have seen it where a guy got shot multiple times has a knife coming at cops will not stop, falls to the ground after being shot numerous times, gets up, tackles another officer, tries to pull his firearm off him to use against him, and fortunately his partner is able to finally stop the threat. That's the only way that they're trained. That's the way it has to be done. I was trained to shoot to stop the threat too when I was in the CIA. This is just the way that it's done. You're not, you're not shooting because you want to hurt somebody or because you're angry or, or you're not trying to hit them in the leg or the head. You are going center mass. Stop the threat. That's all that because in a moment of panic and fear that you will feel if you have to defend yourself with lethal force, your small motor skills are much less acute, much less refined. The likelihood of being able to hit somebody if you shoot them in the leg, it's much more likely you will miss. And now you will be attacked and perhaps die yourself. It's so dumb that it's amazing that somebody who thinks he should be president would say it out loud. But that is that is what he offers up for you. That is what he says. Um, and then this other aspect, this other thing, this this Democrat fantasy that the way we could deal with all this is by sending out psychologists. As, as though we're going to have some guy in a three-piece suit named Sigmund who's like, so tell me about your mother. It's not going to work. It's not going to make people calm down when they're a lethal threat to law enforcement or when they're having a breakdown. Do you know who people who work in the mental health field have to call when someone's an EDP and they cannot be reasoned with? They call the cops. That's what happens in psych wards. This is what happens in places. There's a reason there are orderlies who are just large, essentially like bouncers to deal with people in, in, in uh, psychiatric wards if they become a danger to themselves or to others. They have to be physically restrained. There's a reason why there are restraints in psychiatric wards, too. But Biden doesn't. 
it's not even clear that he doesn't know this so much as he doesn't know and he doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Just spew out some nonsense. Stephanopoulos is like, oh, yeah, that's great. And it sounds like he cares more about people. But I can assure you this. Joe Biden has had Secret Service protection now for a very long time. Uh, if somebody was hiding out in the bushes and he didn't have armed security everywhere, he would want the cops showing up, doing whatever they had to do as fast as possible, and he wouldn't have any questions about it. And this is the classic liberal mentality on display. They want to judge other people who want to survive a violent encounter. They want to have other people who use their Second Amendment rights to defend themselves against the mob charged with murder. Right? They want that, but they themselves, no, I mean, they whatever force is necessary to protect them, that's totally fine. But yes, that's right. Biden thinks, you know, yeah, we could train cops to, you know, shoot in the leg. No, we can't. We don't do that. You do not train people to shoot people in the legs because if they have to shoot, it's because there's an imminent threat to life and you're not going to stop that by aiming for someone's leg. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast. I'm not letting it go that uh, Guthrie for NBC was doing the work of the DNC last night, acting like a total hack. I'm not just going to let this go. She, it's the questions that were asked included, uh, not only why don't you denounce white supremacy when he does, and he's done it a million times, and we're all sick of being asked the same question, uh, but beyond that, she even got into, I think she asked him about, about QAnon, play 13. <laughs> Just this week, you retweeted to your 87 million followers a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEAL Team 6, killed to cover up the, the fake death of bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie like that to your followers? It, you retweeted That was a retweet. That was a, an opinion of somebody. But, and that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. That. I don't the take president. a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That was a retweet. And I do a lot of retweets. And frankly, because the media is so fake and so corrupt, if I didn't have social media, I don't call it Twitter, I call it social media, I wouldn't be able to get the word out. And the word word is, is and you know what the word is? The word is very simple. We're building our country stronger and better than it's ever been before. And that's what's happening. And everybody knows it. Yeah. You know what's at the top of the minds of all the American people right now during a covid pandemic and everything else? Um, did Trump retweet something? I didn't even see this. I don't even remember this. But look, lady, retweets do not equal endorsement. We all know that. All you have to do is go into the feeds of all these journalists too. look at the things that they're retweeting. They're constantly anti-Trump, constantly showing that they're Democrats. But they'll say it's retweets do not equal endorsements. Well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. How about that one? But I'm sorry, it wasn't just uh, the uh, he also was asked about QAnon. That was actually the Navy SEAL conspiracy. I, I got my conspiracy questions, but it's fine. doesn't matter. Same idea. She asked about uh, about the QAnon thing, too. And Trump ended up saying something like, I don't like pedophilia. It's bad. So can we just all agree on that? She's like, oh, why would you go? <laughs> the whole thing was a mess. It was a mess. And here we also got to the uh, the transition of power uh, question An- another these are all meant these are all left-wing attacks with a question mark at the end it's like why are you the worst person ever question mark that's what they do why are you the worst human being to ever say this thing 
So here he is on the transition of power thing. 14. They talk about the peaceful transfer, right? They spied on my campaign and they got caught and they spied heavily on my campaign and they tried to take down a duly elected city president. And then they talk about, will you accept a peaceful transfer? And the answer is yes, I will. But I want it to be an honest election. And so does everybody else. When I see thousands of ballots dumped in a garbage can and they happen to have my name on it, I'm not happy okay, about that. But just those are cases. I mean, there is no there is, in fact, no evidence of widespread fraud. And you were sowing doubt about our democracy, you, how, how our democracy. How can you say that? You do read newspapers. Do. You do watch the news. Yes, I know you read the I news, do. but do you watch it? I do. Because every day they're talking about ballots that are corrupt, that are fraudulent. And millions that are, are sure. being processed right sure. now. But you can win a race. Take a look at me. You can win a race by 1%. But there's not fraud. Yeah, but he's also talking about the inherent errors in the system. When you add the mess ups to the actual cases of fraud that we do know exist, you don't need a lot. To cause a big problem for the election. And notice that they went from two months ago, it was, oh my gosh, he's shutting down the post office, he's cheating, and Russian disinformation. They constantly talk about how Trump is undermining institution and faith in our elections. And then they do the very same thing and pretend like they weren't complaining about it themselves. It's, it's impossible to argue with these people. It's like dealing with bratty children that won't listen to anything you say. They just want what they want. And if you don't give it to them, they're going to throw SpaghettiOs in your face. That's it. That's our journalist cadre. That's what we have to deal with every day. Oh, my gosh. She was the worst. I've always thought she was the worst. I mean, among, among these journal types, these people that are on like the Today Show and stuff, you know. Are you a journalist or are you like a game show host? Oh, really? You ask the question. Are you a journalist or a game show host? Are you supposed to be really smart or are you supposed to be likable? Oh, I'm just like the... The guy or the girl next door. Everyone likes me. What is this? Are you in entertainment or are you in news and information? Hmm? Are you opinion or are you... they don't have, you know, it's just what, whatever works, whatever works, whatever gets the, the big checks to clear and unfortunately convinces the low information voter what to do. It's troubling, but we see all of this. Speaking of uh, low information voters. Joy Behar still has ideas. You know, she has ideas about things. She wants to give medical advice, you know, to the president and everybody else around him. Play 22, please. So we figured out how herd immunity would, would work. I'll tell you how it is. So you need to have 60 percent okay. of the population have to get it in order for it to even be in the ballpark. And some doctors say it doesn't even work. Mm -hmm. So we have 330 million people in this country. Uh, so that means uh, 198 million would have to get the virus. OK, that's 60 percent. Mm -hmm. And out of that group, mm -hmm. two percent would die. That would be almost four million people. So I say to Americans, are you willing to die for this man? Are you willing to die for this virus? Um, and imagine the hospitals. We thought that they were overcrowded in April and May. Can you imagine mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. have 198 people with the virus? in this country. So this herd immunity is an outrageously stupid idea and they should stop talking about yeah. it altogether. The only thing that's okay. going to help us at this what point is get rid of this guy and get a vaccination, period. Uh, she's a moron. I really mean that. Vaccination creates herd immunity, you total imbecile. 
Now, I, I don't like to be mean. I mean, she's clearly a person with a, a, a low, mid, two-digit IQ. But listen, Behar, you take vaccinations to give herd immunity because not everybody gets the vaccination. And the vaccination doesn't even work for everybody. And herd immunity doesn't mean no one ever gets this, no one ever dies from this. Herd immunity, which is what you try to achieve with things like measles and chicken pox, means there's a high enough level of protection in the community that it is very limited spread when it comes up because it has very few hosts to jump to it's not a it's not a panacea but just remember that she's telling you oh we got to get rid of them we got to herd immunity no herd immunity is the goal even with a vaccine you utter lib morons on the view read a book not harry potter read an actual book